unidentifiable flying object. The UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Sightings of UFOs. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It could only be one thing. A UFO. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to UFO No. We got another episode for you. Your break from the propaganda, the bad news, the political nonsense. Have some fun talking about fun topics like deep underground military bases. Thanks for joining the show. We are in the stratosphere cruising about 30,000 feet and it is clear skies, baby. If you like the show, be sure to share this episode. Give a nice review. Hit that subscribe button if you're on Rumble or YouTube. It really does help. Don't forget, you can also donate at patreon.com slash podcast. You get no ads, all my loyalty, and I'm going to be adding a whole bunch of new stuff really, really soon. Also, be sure to get yourself some sweet merch. Check out the shop. Just click on the link in the show notes. And uh, once again, I love each and every single one of you. Can't wait to talk to you about this episode. It's going to be a great one. Joining me today, author of such books like uh, Underground Military Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains, as well as Bigfoot Beyond the Footprints and Cherokee Little People Were Real. Uh, we're going to mostly be talking about deep underground military bases, but here to join us today is Mary Joyce. Thank you for coming on the show, Mary. Hi, it's uh, a pleasure to be with you. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited about this. Uh, I, um, I told you before we started this, I actually had a fan of mine, the design designer tinfoil hat wearing Aaron. That's our nickname for her. Um, she's a great fan, and she is super interested in deep underground military bases, wanted me to do a breakdown. And after hearing a few interviews that you had done with some other people and looking over your work, I couldn't think of a better person to talk to than you. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, I really uh, have focused on the things that I have found near where I live. I live in the mountains of Western North Carolina, and I have uh, written about five different underground bases. And where I'd really like to start is with the oldest one, because there's new activity going on there. Okay. And the, old, the oldest one goes back to uh, originally was a satellite tracking uh, center uh, oh, that started in the very early 1960s. And then it was later turned over to the Department of Defense. And now they call it um, an Astronomical Research Institute. Supposedly, it's an educational um place for anybody who's interested in those topics. The problem is that uh, you can't always get in there. You have to be there at certain times. You have to be there by invitation. I see. And I've had the good fortune of uh, interviewing two people with top security or above top security clearance who have told me from the very beginning that there is a city-sized facility beneath that um, astronomical institute that's been there for years. It's totally self-sufficient and um, it's really a secret place. I mean, sometimes you will drive by there and there are times when you will see uh, somebody dressed in, uh, um, I don't know, tactical gear at the gate and you oh, can't I get see. in. And other times you can um, drive right in the place. So it's really kind of bizarre. 
Uh, I've also heard that, and I have not written about this because I cannot independently um, confirm it from another source, but people have seen small caravans of black vehicles going into the place on certain occasions. There clearly is something going on there and has been for a long time. Uh, the witnesses have been um, quite varied. Uh, one man, when he was much younger, had worked in a Christmas tree farm where they could see this facility and they had seen um, uh, crates of animals uh, being carried into this facility. Well, what are they doing with these facilities? Yeah, I was going to ask you, what would be, what would be, would it be experimentation on animals or would it be for food purposes? What would be the reason for how live animals, I assume, right? Uh, yes, I can only guess that it's experimentation because nobody is short of food. So I really don't I think food is the motivation. Yeah. Um, uh, the, one of the people who had the top security clearance had actually grown up on a uh, high security uh, secret base uh, when her dad was in the military. She's the first one who told me that they were doing um, experiments at that location and uh, some of the things with mind control. Oh, wow. um, so I don't know if they practice on the animals first or not, but you know, there's, there's yeah. so many questions. Um, so and this, then oh, when I, I posted that on my website, um, I was contacted by a man also with top security clearance who confirmed that what she said was correct. So bringing this up to this very moment, um, I was contacted by a person who lives in the area and he said there was new underground uh, sounds being heard. Uh, there was rumbling. They could feel it. There were explosions they could hear. <clears throat> and so the first thing I did was to get on Google Earth and start exploring the area. Well, <clears throat> what I found was that there's this big hole in the ground. You can see down into it, but it is mostly covered by two very, very large dark tarps. And there's earth moving equipment. So they're taking dirt out of this facility or out of the ground and then they're spreading it out evenly over the adjacent land and even um well that, that's good enough with that but there's we're talking about dump trucks that are the long bed trucks we're talking about major excavator equipment yeah and so instead of creating a big mound of dirt from whatever they're digging they're spreading it out so eventually it'll be covered with grass and not look like anything at all. Now this so area that's th current. That's currently going on. Yeah, this area that you're talking about, is this in North Carolina, the, the oldest base that you're speaking of? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. All all of the things I like to be where I am yeah. when I do uh stories and, and research and all of the ones I've discovered are in North Carolina, in the western part. I suspect that the mountains are probably filled with the uh, uh, cheddar cheese holes, yeah. and those can be greatly expanded upon. And um, right now, I think they're either creating a tunnel to connect this place with one of the other facilities, or they are simply expanding the facility. And you can see when it started. I found pictures of um, Google Earth pictures of um, the place in 2017. And then the very next year, you can see where the digging is going on. So that's wow. when the new excavation began. So do you have any, you know, you were talking about what they're using, uh, what they're bringing in animals and whatnot. So what what do you think, aside from just a base, um, did you have any, get any information as far as what the purposes of that specific base was? Uh, I hear there's mind control uh, efforts and there's a, uh, 
uh, two things that make me think that. Once I followed a vehicle um, from the town of Silva, which is not that far away, uh, toward that facility, and I can no longer quote the uh, sticker that was on it, but it had to do with this kind of research at another base in an, another part of the country. Mm. Um, then on two occasions when I've uh, driven toward that place, when I've had three other people in the car with me, on both occasions, everybody in the car experienced this strange sens sensation in their heads, including me. And it made you feel uncomfortable. It's like you wanted to get away from wherever you were because it wasn't nice. I call it people repellent. And I think huh. they use some kind of um, electromagnetic pulse of some kind yeah. that uh, actually detours people from coming closer. You know, it's very interesting you say that because they've actually found um, electronic pulses in malls. They've done, um, independent journalists have done research going into malls with, uh, with sound equipment and have picked up these really high-pitched tones that are based on age. And so depending on your age, you will hear really high-pitched, obnoxious sounds, and they do that to deter certain demographics. It's really interesting. You mean they're trying to discourage the groups that wouldn't spend as much money? Correct, yeah. Or like if they have a mall that's all catered to younger generation shops, they will specifically, so they did this where numerous age groups went in and certain younger age groups could hear certain tones in certain places and then other ones, it was the older age groups and they found them in the corners of malls, by the bathrooms, by stores. It was kind of crazy, but they could actually show on a on a waveform, they could actually show the uh, the decibels of the sound, but you couldn't hear it certain, once again, certain ages couldn't hear it. I don't know how they would tailor make it for an age group. That's fascinating. It's fascinating because, I mean, it really goes to uh, what kind of technology and research do they do to come up with that? You know, how do they know how to do that? What are they doing? Um, so once again, I mean, it, no doubt that they're experimenting in these bases. It just makes you think, you know, what they, it's going to so much trouble, billions of dollars, black budget projects put into these, um, for what? And it's downright creepy. It is. Well, and I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, them pulling out the, what was it? A hundred thousand kids out of California from underground tunnels. Oh, those stories are so creepy. It is. Is creepy. it validated? I mean, it's does validated. it seem to be true? Yeah, it was validated by, um, you know, I mean, obviously, anytime you have a third, a, a three letter agency involved, you got to question things. But, you know, they had a lot of images of pulling children out. You had, you know, um, federal officers that were talking about the conditions in there. I mean, once again, what what do you believe? What don't you believe? Um, but that's how, th how were the three letter organizations explaining it? Yeah, they were basically saying, you know, that they were sent into these uh, that they had gotten reports that there was child trafficking going on under underground in some underground tunnels in California. So apparently they put a, an operation together to send special forces down. And so they ended up finding 100,000 kids um, uh, hidden and stashed away in these tunnels and they were bringing them out in um you know, segments of small groups. But I mean, once again, what do you believe? But these special forces officers were saying it was, it was a kind of darkness that you, you can't imagine. Uh, one of the uh, witnesses that I talked to um, was with social services. Mm. And he said that um, he used all the codes that they use for different things. So I'd actually have to go back to the article to remember exactly what codes he used. But he said that there were a lot of uh, satanic, ritual reports 
in the area of this Perry facility. Yeah. Um, and when he reported it to the State Bureau of Investigation, um, he got nowhere. Mm. It's like, you know, they weren't going to help reveal whatever's going on there. And of course, there's been all sorts of research done um, by people like um, Polities um, about missing children. Mm. And apparently it's a significant number. So yeah. all of these things are possible and all of these things are creepy. It is. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of questions. Once again, anytime you have a three-letter government agency involved, you should really read between the lines. But this one seemed pretty legitimate. Um, but send me, if, we, if you have a chance, send me a link to my email on that. I'd oh, like yeah, to you investigate bet. that myself. Yeah. And That's once true. again, I mean, I, a lot of these things I'm very skeptical of. But this one, it wasn't just the, the mainstream media that was reporting it. It was it was a lot of independent journalists, a lot of independent investigators that were saying this has been an ongoing deal. I mean, there's been a lot of um, operations to get rid of child trafficking it, it really ramped up in the last what three years or so um and so there's been a lot of findings uh of these once again the underground tunnels and and that leads to investigating of of these bases that are funded funded by the government um extensive projects um it's pretty well believed that at least some of the facilities here in north carolina are linked by um underground tunnels probably with maglev transportation systems. You know, it's interesting you say that because that that's that's one of the things that is really interesting about this the deep underground military base premise, I guess, is the idea that they are utilizing technology that we've barely broken into on the commercial level. Um, you know, which over in Japan they have really fast maglev trains, but nothing like what they're talking 1500 miles per hour some crazy thing like that in these right. underground and tunnels. it's hard for people to imagine how big these tunnels would be. Yeah. Um, I've got a photo, which I include in my book, that shows one of these underground boring machines, and they're basically shaped like a cylinder, but yeah. they're very huge because the people standing next to them are don't look that big. Yeah, and they can move forward, um, I think, at a rate of about seven miles um, per day. Wow. And one of the indirect confirmations of information that we've gotten is that people who have lived uh, along a ridge that would connect this Perry facility to the one that's underneath the Smoky Mountain National Park, they would feel and hear uh, rumblings and grinding beneath their homes, but only for an X amount of time, yeah. and then it would stop. And so um, that would indicate tunnel uh, boring because it moves on. Yeah. Um, but that's an indirect support for this whole concept. Yeah, there was reports of people getting sick because they were, um, I don't know if you're familiar with what they call the um, nuclear um, subterrenes. You heard of that? Mm, it's not ringing a bell at this moment. Yeah, so what, it's kind of something that apparently they're, they're utilizing now with these boring machines is instead of it producing material that they have to extract, it either breaks it down into a concrete material that concretes the tunnel as it goes so there is no debris left or even more so technology based is it produces nuclear powered lasers that actually melt the debris and create a gas like tunnel along its way so it could what, move what yeah. I, I didn't know the the term to go with it but i do know that it has the capacity those boring machines to like almost like melt and glaze exactly the, um, um, 
the tunnel itself. Exactly. Um, so that's didn't what, have the right word, but yes, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, and I, I really didn't. I mean, once again, I kind of just dug into this for the first time. And so this nuclear subterranean thing is kind of the newest implementation, I guess, um, you know, within the last 10 years or so of this underground basis. So they're able to break much more ground and then they don't have to extract any material, which of course speeds up the whole process as well. Absolutely. They don't have to worry about spreading the dirt over on the, on the countryside. Well, and then they can do them uh, virtually anywhere, anytime. And, and unless like you said, you're actually feeling the boring going on underground, you wouldn't know what's happening. Right. And even then, most people wouldn't figure it out. No, and they wouldn't certainly wouldn't think, oh, the military is, you know, burying tunnels underneath us. Absolutely. Yeah. What What do you think about um, the sinkholes that keep popping up? Do you think that's related? Around Depends on what part of the country you're talking about. I mean, well, poor Florida is just built on, <laughs> what, limestone or whatever yeah, it is, yeah. and it just erodes with water very easily. So sinkholes are simply a geographical uh, or geological phenomena. So some may um, be related, some not. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, you'd have to almost know the situation or the of course. Um, location to make a conclusion. It seems interesting that, of course, I mean, you know, you start to look into things and you start seeing it everywhere, but um, it does seem interesting that here they've ramped up the building of these bases and then now all of a sudden you see more and more, and it could be just the internet's highlighting it, but you seem to see more and more sinkholes popping up around the world. Um, since I, I have friends and family that live in Florida, I'm mostly aware of the ones down there, yeah. which are not easily to dis- uh, caused by the kinds of things we're talking about. Yeah. Just bad geography. <laughs> yeah. Bad geography. Yeah. And here yeah. in the mountains, um, I don't think sinkholes are all that common, at least not where I live. Sure. Well, and obviously, you know, you have a lot more um, different type of material, much more rock. It's going to be hard to have a sinkhole in a rocky mountain. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but like I said, the geology here probably makes it easier to create some of these underground facilities. Yeah. Because they already have big holes to start with and big caves to start with. So in uh, some of the interviews I heard uh, that you had done, there was a lot of reference to um, national parks and how it seems to be, or at least in certain cases, this seems to be tied into national parks, whether through anonymity because it gives them that or control over who comes in and and when. Um, You know, how much do you go into that in, uh, in your investigation of these underground bases? Well, it's real obvious with the one facility that is the most recent that I know of. And it was built during a time when we had witnesses who could actually watch it being constructed. And it's beneath uh, the Smoky Mountain National Park. It's in a remote area of the park where most people wouldn't be going. Um, But we had, uh, I think I had a total of three retired military witnesses uh, who did things like show me pictures and of um, um, big helicopters, um, what do they call them, the Osprey and some of these huge ones, dropping off big equipment in the area where this is, was being built. Um, the whole thing started for me with a man who I knew previously. Um, and so I had every reason to believe him, and he trusted me enough to tell me what he was seeing. And he and his wife were uh, just south of Cherokee, North Carolina, which is adjacent to the Smoky Mountain National Park. And they saw this big truck 
uh, flatbed truck that had uh, a piece of equipment on the back that they said looked like a decontamination chamber. Mm. So he and his wife, being both ex-military, got into a conversation with the driver of the truck, and it was a woman, and she said that um, she was there waiting for uh, several more trucks to join a caravan, and they would be taking their load to a remote location where it then would be picked up and airdropped. And so this couple decided to um, stick around and watch what was going on. And the other vehicles, the other trucks arrived. They had uh, big military tarps over them. I think it was the Navy, said Navy on the outside. And uh, then those trucks were accompanied by escorts. And these escorts were in uh, SUVs and they were dressed in black and they had black guns. So this lets you know it's something that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. This couple followed this caravan at a distance and it uh, went past a, a place that a lot of people would know. It's the information center on the North Carolina side of the park. And just beyond that, there is a campground and this caravan pulled into it. And as soon as they pulled into it, the gate was shut and nobody else could get in. That would be the closest location to where we are very, very convinced this uh, underground facility is located. So the stuff is being airdropped in there and we got photos of some of the airdrops. Wow. So what, what got you started in this? Was it, uh, I mean, did you just kind of find out about it and, and wonder what was going on? What, what got you started? Well, like you, I'm driven by a big curiosity. Cool. Um, and you have a background in radio, I believe, or broadcasting. I do, yeah. I have, some of my background is in the newspaper business. Okay. And, all right, so you put that together, and my curiosity and my newspaper mind just take off and want to find out what's really going on. Yeah. Um, as far as the underground facilities go, that was specifically started because of people that I met in the place I was working here in North Carolina. And there was this couple they would come in on a regular basis. They knew about my website, which is skyshipsovercashers.com. And they would start conversations with me about UFOs and things they'd seen. And they were kind of shy and they only talk a little bit. And then they'd show up again later and kind of do the same thing. It's like they were tap dancing around me. They were testing and, the waters. Yeah, they were testing the waters. <laughs> and they finally decided they could trust me. And I ended up going to their um rv camper and meeting with them and interviewing them and um she was the woman who had grown up on a secret base uh she's the first one who told me about the underground facility beneath the um perry facility which is p-a-r-i it stands for pisca astronomical research institute okay and i'd already been doing the website so i posted some of her information on the website then I was contacted by somebody else I knew, but he got real nervous. Oh. Um, he, I never saw him again. What he did was he sent a written statement that everything this lady was saying was true. And he had his wife bring it to me so that he wouldn't be seen interacting with me. Oh wow! And uh, um, he confirmed everything the first lady said. So I wasn't intending to do this underground um, investigation. But it, it was that that started it. Well, yeah, it's a, it's like uh, the universe was telling you, you need to you need to ask these questions. And if it wasn't the universe, it was just that little curiosity <laughs> in the back of my head that says, you got to find out what's going on here. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So, 
you know, so like what, you know, obviously I would imagine that it, you didn't start out with the intention to write a book per se. So what no, you, I didn't. I'm sure you just ended up with so much information that you said, I got to put this in a book. So, so what was that journey like? Um, I guess I have to give the website that I've started with somebody else uh, the most credit. We started that in 2008. And when I find these things, I'll post it on that website. And after, uh, you get to a point where you go, oh, my God, I've got so much information here. So then I decide to put it in uh, a form that anybody can read because the stories have come out spasmodically. And most people aren't going to go weaving through my website to try to find the sequence of this. So it becomes a book. Yeah. And that happened with Bigfoot. It, um, and the other book that I did about Cherokee little people uh, was started when I met the old timers who did the original excavation at Western Carolina University and found evidence of these little people that lived here. Wow. And uh, I, I spent uh, quite a long time spending my Saturdays interviewing these old timers uh, around their kitchen tables. And the thing they had in common was that they had all been involved with the early construction at Western Carolina University, which again is here in the mountains. And I found out that there was no information anywhere about this. If there had been, I wouldn't have written that book. Mm -hmm. But I thought, my God, I've got to save this information. And that was the inspiration for that book. So I'm not like a writer who says, I've got to write a book. That's not my motivation. It's like when I come up with some stuff that nobody else seems to be covering, then I decide I better get it out there. That's great. That's great. Well, that that's awesome. I mean, uh, once again, for you to just get kind of curious about this and decide to uh, put your natural talents to use and and figure it out and then put it out in a in a way that's uh, easily digestible. That's that's great. I mean, that's what a lot of people need because, as you said, it's it's a lot of people just don't even know where to start. You know, where do you start investigating these things? There's a lot of hearsay stuff. There's, of course, propaganda. Um, there's a lot. That, did you ever run into anything that made you think you were being led astray? Like anyone that maybe intentionally gave you information to kind of take you off of anything? Did you have any outside interference? Um, not in the way that you're thinking of right now. Okay. Because <laughs> I was initiating these contacts. So I can't, for the most part, for the most part. Yeah. Um, let's see. How can I ask me that again? Let's see if I can give you a good answer. Well, so I just mean like, you know, I've read other cases where people were compiling an investigation and they had some people that came in that either gave them misinformation or intentional disinformation. And so I'm just curious if you had any interactions with people that you could tell didn't have the best intentions, but still wanted to talk to you. Uh, I often find stories on the internet that I explore. And when I dig into them, I find out they're bogus <laughs> and anything you find on the internet, you better check it out a whole bunch of different ways or you will go down the wrong rabbit hole. Oh yeah. Waste uh, a lot of so time. that's something we all have to be on guard for. Of course. Uh, the only way that I have really been, um, I don't know, uh, interfered with is when I post stuff that somebody doesn't want the world to know. And there have been quite a number of stories where I posted it on the website and within a day, the, like the Google Earth images that I put up there have been blurred out oh. or significantly distorted. Okay. Um, this has happened when I've done stories on Mars. Um, it's happened when I've done stories on Antarctica, those two in particular. And uh, 
um, it's it's quite amazing what they will do when they don't really want people to know about it. That's and there's the a lot of secrets, a lot of secrets in Antarctica and a lot of secrets on Mars. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's incredible. Uh, something that drives me crazy is people that underestimate the power of the government covering their own ass. And uh, it, it just blows my mind that they think that they wouldn't do that. And uh, they've proven it over and over and over again that they're more than capable of doing that and more than willing to do whatever it takes to cover up their tracks. Um, so it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, two days ago, I started another book. We're talking some, you're the first one to hear this. Oh! Very first one. To, and it's the, the working title right now is Spy in the Sky Exposes Big Cover-Ups. Oh. And basically, I have found an incredible number of things using Google Earth Pro both on Mars and in Antarctica and at the bottom of the ocean. Um, and there's enough of it that it's going to go into a book. And I really hadn't decided to do that until two days ago. That's so awesome. that's, that's the project I'm into now. Wow. That's great. And that, that's absolutely true. I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, of people that are going, there's some weird stuff on Google earth. There's some weird things, uh, out there and that. So I'm sure if you, um, which, as you said, your very curious mind, I have no doubt that that book is going to reveal some crazy things. And back to what you were talking about, about being care, uh, careful, mm -hmm. there was um, a, a rock that was found on Mars, and you can, the original, well, anyhow, and it looks like it has something like hieroglyphs written on it. Everything about it looked legitimate. And I decided I better go back and find the original NASA footage on this. Yeah. Somebody in India had taken that original footage and very convincingly added hieroglyphs to this stone. So I found the original stone, and then I saw what they had done. It was so believable. Yeah. And if I hadn't made the extra effort to go back to the original, I could have swallowed that hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing you always have to get back to the source if you possibly can. That's right. Hey, everybody. Thank you once again for listening to the show. I hope you're enjoying everything so far. If you want to help support the show, there are many ways you can do that. You can follow the link down in the show notes, and that will take you to several links, including our Patreon, where you can listen to the show, which you already are. Thank you very much. You can also leave a review on any of those. You can watch the show slash listen on Rumble. You can also watch slash listen on YouTube. You you can follow the show on Instagram, stay in touch. You can buy merch as well as you can follow the link to start your own podcast where you will get a $20 gift card and it lets them know that you're supporting the show. Love you all. Thank you so much. Back to the show. You know, that's the unfortunate part. Uh, that's kind of why I started this show is I, I want to believe in all kinds of things. Uh, very much so. But it's so hard because you have a lot of you know, false actors out there. You have a lot of people that muddy the waters and, you know, some of them, they don't mean much. They're just having fun, but others, you know, and we have historical record of people that were involved in government agencies that were disinformation agents sent out to kind of lead people astray with, uh, with disinformation. And so it is very difficult, as you said, um, 
you know, we have to do our due diligence if we really want to get to the truth. Um, and you really have to look at these things because it is easy. You want to believe these things. So it is easy to go, oh, my God, hieroglyphics on a Mars rock. Um, of course, you want to believe that, but you have to look. You have to get back to the original. You just have to. And I, I don't want to spend my time um, trying to figure out the psychology of the people who like to fool us all uh, with their sophisticated Photoshop work. <laughs> but there's got to be a story there, not one I want to pursue. But there's yeah. something very odd about those people. Well, sure. I mean, well, and everybody wants to put their mark on history. You know, I mean, even if even if it's fake, even if it's fake, even if it's come out to be a lie, they they still get their 15 minutes. And some people, it's worth it. You know, even to be called a fool in the end, it, it's still worth it. And uh, it's it's just it's self deprivating, you know, but some of us want to do it legit and have something that we can be proud of and say, uh, look what we uncovered. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's an obstacle we both have to get past. That's right. Or that's get right. over, whatever. Well, and that's why having conversations with people such as yourself, people that have, you know, done the work to investigate these things is so important and so fascinating and fun um, to talk about it. So, um, you know, what were, what were some other things that really kind of blew your mind? What were some of the big mind blowers that you had well, I, during? I think the extent that the government has gone to to keep us from knowing about the underground facility just beneath the Smoky Mountain National Park. Adjacent to the park on Cherokee land, there is a fish hatchery. And the water flow into the hatchery, uh, you know, went down to like a trickle. Mm. So two of the people who work there went up this um, uh, like path road along the side of the river or the creek thinking they would find a beaver dam or something that was blocking the flow of the water. When they got up to the top of the mountain, where there's this reservoir that holds the water, the reservoir was dry. And in the middle of it was a 50,000-gallon tank in, in the reservoir with pipes going down into the ground. Uh. Uh, you know, that's right above where this underground facility is. So they were diverting water to go down, you know, for the facility yeah. beneath the park. And those people reported it, and guess what? They lost their jobs. Of course. You can't Another have thing people that people have run into um, is uh, they've been back in the park on our, um, you know, all-terrain vehicles or something like that, and they've actually run into um, park rangers who just happen to be carrying machine guns. Oh, of course. So, I mean, that's not normal. <laughs> no, my dad was a park ranger for a number of years, uh, over a decade, and uh, never carried a firearm. <laughs> no, that's not part of the job. No, not even a at pistol. All, at so, all. Which park did he work in? I was my, well, it was several, all in the Pacific Northwest. Um, okay. When I was a teenager, my family traveled around for about a year and a half, and so they did the whole um, camp post thing. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up at Wallowa Lake State Park, beautiful place in Wallowa County, Oregon, um, and ended up becoming a park ranger there for a number of years and then um, came up in Idaho and did it did it some more. <laughs> but mm -hmm. then he ended up retiring. But yeah, once again, never carried a firearm. That is not normal for a park ranger to be armed. No, no. And I, apparently that's happened more than once. Yeah. Well, those are those are disguised security guards. You know, right. the, you know, Absolutely. that's what that is in park ranger clothing and, and you know, undercover, uh, undercover security, basically. Right. Yeah. And that facility beneath the Smoky Mountain National Park, um, there were people 
who again heard the underground, you know, machinery, underground grinding, underground um, explosions. And uh, the most recent person who went there um, actually had read my book and took part of his vacation to explore some of these uh, underground facilities. And he camped out at a place called Mile High Campground, which is as close as you can get to this facility. It essentially sits on top of it. Mm. And uh, uh, he, he was braver than I was. He went walking in the woods for like 13, 14 miles at night. Wow. And he found a, a, a ventilation uh, vent coming up from the ground. All right. That's out in the middle of this forest. Why? Yeah. Where was that coming from? He also heard the noises. And, uh, but he said what was interesting, and he's the, not the only person who's told me this, those noises stop at five o'clock in the morning. So basically what's happening is those noises were not or are not being made when most people are up and around. Sure. So what did, was there any, um, you know, did you have people telling you what, like, you know, what the, I, I guess the government agencies that were overseeing these national parks, did they have people coming to them commenting? I mean, you said there was a couple of people that reported and then lost their jobs, but were they giving any kind of excuses as to why these sounds were going on? Did they give any lame stories? I don't think anything was explained to these people. Oh, so they didn't even care. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I mean, that's wow. what I understand now yeah. having not been there when it happened, I don't know the details of it. There may have been more revealed. Yeah. But it sounded like out of nowhere, these two guys were fired. Wow. Well, and that's generally what happens when you have people that are, you know, all of a sudden getting keyed into what's going on um, and they know a little bit too much and they start talking about it. Well, get rid of them. Um, actually, I guess we're kind of getting down the road of, of the cover-ups. Um, I found a facility in Antarctica um, that looked highly suspicious and I contacted Linda, Linda Moulton Howe, who many people know, and um, she really is knows quite a bit about Antarctica. So I sent her the information. Well, right after I sent it to her, what I found had been airbrushed out hmm. just within the time that I talked to her and took a shower and came back to the computer. Wow. And um, yeah, just very bizarre. Let me ask you, I have a conspiratorial mind, hence my show, but uh, I'm skeptical of anyone that is releasing secret information, especially that's been doing it for a very long time because we know the government likes to cover things up. They like to get rid of people that are speaking the truth. So I'm always skeptical of people that seem to be prospering from releasing, you know, um, you know, sensitive information. So you have people like Stephen Greer, Linda Howe. Um, uh, so my question is, are, were you suspicious of Linda Howe being, being complicit in that happening since you contacted her and then soon after it seemed to be gone? Um, at this point, I don't have any reason to doubt her credibility. Okay. Yeah. I cannot speak to the other ones. Sure. Um, a lot of ego rises up in many of these people and you begin to wonder if they're just motivated by their own success and motivated to make money as spinoffs. Um, I, I first had contact with her a number, a bunch of years ago. And to this date, I haven't seen something that put up all the warning signs. So while I can't endorse anybody, absolutely, she would not be on my list of big suspects sure 
And once again, I mean, I just, that's where my mind goes. I always question anybody that seems to be, I don't know, seems to be prospering. Once again, because we have instances of people losing their lives from releasing supposed sensitive information. One of my biggest questions is what is death worthy sensitive information and what isn't? And why do some people seem to prosper and, and make a career out of releasing this information and talking about these things, as opposed to other people that they're killed within two years of releasing or supposedly killed, I should say. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, I, I don't know if that seemed to be more of a storyline uh, a number of years back. Um, now I'm beginning to think that maybe the government is happy that some people are slowly leaking out this information. Yeah. Um, at one time, I thought American people are so smart. They should not be, they should be able to understand UFOs and aliens and be able to deal with the topic without falling apart. In more recent years, I've seen such stupidity <laughs> among the masses that maybe that estimation is correct. I don't know. But um, I, I, there's just a lot of idiot behavior that's going on. And so maybe we're not so smart as a group. <laughs> well, that that is uh, very possible. I and so therefore the government might actually, in some way, be happy that some people are slowly leaking out this information yeah. when they know that um, the masses are not about to accept it. I don't know. I well, really I do not know. I've always had the the theory that there are there is government approved whistleblowers that are allowed to come out, you know, um, the reason I say this is there was a guy, Richard Doty, that came forward saying he was one of the men in black, which ended up, as he said, was a disinformation agency that was sent out where people were questioning government involvement in secret craft. They would go out and tell him it was aliens. Um, and so I've just always wondered about these, once again, these individuals that are they government approved whistleblowers? And as you said, are they being allowed to let this information go? Because now it helps the government release more, more technology and do kind of what they need to do. Um, but it's very curious. Uh, there's a man who uses an alias. His name is Harold Anderson. I, I do not know what his real name is. Uh, all I know is that in 2020, he released um, three short, easy-to-read books um, uh, under that alias, and it was about ET activity on Earth. And he confessed to his own role in keeping the public in the dark about all of it. And he said there were two groups in his disinformation team. Uh, one was referred to as the brains, and the other was referred to as the brawn. Mm. And the brains concocted bogus stories and figured out ways to get the public to believe them. And the brawn, including the infamous but very human men in black, were the enforcers when the plans of the brain team failed. Yeah, I mean, and you have testimonial after testimonial of seeing that happen where it seems to be that the men in black show up when uh, other tactics seem to fail. And, you know, they have really tried to push the idea that these are aliens that, um, mm -hmm. you know, are disguised as humans. And they tried to make them almost as robotic, uh, spooky, scary creatures just so they can scare everybody. Exactly. And so this man's statement was, you know, they clearly are human and uh, they were part of the group uh, to enforce whatever needed to be enforcing. 
Exactly. And I believe that because there's something very strange about aliens deciding to come down in black suits and black hats and yeah. acting like weird humans. And, you know, at the end of the day, anything is possible. I mean, really, you know, the, the universe is cr- a crazy place, you know, that is is full of possibilities that we can barely fathom. So, um, you know, what, what the, as again, to go back to what we said in the beginning is what to believe and what not to believe. And that's why due diligence and investigation is so important. And that's why people like you are so appreciated because you put, you, you do the time to dig these up and, and actually put it into once again, an easily digestible form. So very much appreciated. And I need to stress that because in, in, in the, on the, the website that I do skyshipsovercashers.com and in the books I've written, I know how important the visual part of a story is. And people just shut down when they see too much gray type on page after page after page. And I try to make all of this very readable and uh, reinforced with uh, good photos. Yeah, that's great. So once again, were were there any really, any other really big moments that, that kind of blew your mind that, that uh, you weren't expecting anything that somebody gave you that just kind of threw you for a loop, made you, made you rethink the world around you other than the underground bases themselves, of course. Well, why don't I just move on to another underground base? There's one beneath Mount Mitchell, which is the tallest mountain east of the Mississippi. And again, I had a former military person be the confessor in all of this. And he um, led a troop of, people in basically in undercover camouflage outfits going up the backside of the mountain. Um, I don't know the details of exactly what they were after, but he saw the mountain open up in other, and I've heard this many times or not many times, quite a few times uh, where there's this mountain and it looks just like a mountain and suddenly it will open up and you know, it becomes an entranceway. And so he saw this open up, he saw UN soldiers coming out of this facility and he divided up his men and they followed them. Um, that just put a whole different perspective on everything for me. Uh, the fact that it was the UN coming out of a mountain that uh, had an entrance that didn't look like it was there. And so this man saw the entrance before it opened, when it opened and after it opened. And he said, you, even knowing it's there, you would have, you would not be able to find it. Wow. So the, and I've heard similar stories out in Area 51 um, that there are um, sides of the mountain that will open up and will be uh, entrances to, you know, uh, aircraft or UFOs, whatever. Well, and again, it's it's we know the government, the world governments um, are involved in withholding technology. And so, it you know, who knows what they're capable of doing. So, you know, putting a door in the side of a mountain <laughs> is a simple thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And also if, while you mentioned that it, it should be emphasized that many of the UFO reports that we see over military bases um, may very well be humanly created and they're just using advanced technology. And I think much of that is indeed tested at places like area 51. Yeah, I've said for a long time that UFO or you know alien piloted, which I'm not saying there aren't those, but it's a very good cover. It's a very good front guy for being able to test advanced technology because who looks at the sky, points to something weird, and says, "Look, government cover up." 
You know, nobody, right. nobody does that. They say, look, aliens. Oh, it's, it's perfect. It's the perfect fall guy to just put out there all kinds of crazy anti-gravity um, technology, interdimensional potentially. I mean, it's, it's incredible what some of these agencies like DARPA are working on um, and what they've been, what they're putting out. And, and it's amazing that these institutions like SETI are, are talking about the fact that they are researching the multiverse uh, and other dimensions. I mean, we are in a whole new realm of weird. Yes, we have walked into the sci-fi television tube. Oh, for sure. We are in it. I mean, you know, we didn't get the flying cars in 2015 like uh, Back to the Future showed, but, um, you know, we <laughs> it's it's so much worse. <laughs> yes. So much worse. Yes. yes. Crazy. Um, I'll throw in another thing that um, uh, when I found it out, and I found this out from several different ways, we think of the Nazis being... Um, defeated in World War II. Well, I've gotten testimonies from a number of different sources. They may have supposedly lost the war, but they're still around. Oh, yeah. And the first story that really jarred me about it was um, a man, his name is William Pollock, and he um, designed the security system for Area 51 and also for Air Force One. So he was really up there. And he was called to a meeting at another secret base in Nevada. It's called Tonopah. It's less known than Area 51. And when he got there, there was this plane that pulled up right to the front door of where they were having their meeting. A man dressed in what he called high European style mm. got off the plane. Um, when I say high European style, I mean certain kind of leather shoes and you know, sure. certain cut of the suit and uh, the man went to the back of the room where everybody was doing the presentation and listened to the whole thing. When he finally spoke, he spoke in what the man described as high German. And then he left, got the plane was it got on the plane, which again took him it was right at the door, and he took off. It was that testimony that first got me thinking about how seriously we may be still manipulated by such forces. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the show Hunting Hitler. Uh, I wish I'd seen all of it. I haven't. Uh, from what I have seen, it looks like it has a great deal of validity to it. It's crazy. The uh, You know, I'm extremely skeptical of almost everything mainstream media, um, History Channel, Discovery, any of those. But there is a guy named Tim Kennedy who is a legit special forces guy, no nonsense, jujitsu fighter. And he's, he's an incredibly intelligent um, and courageous man who has gone above and beyond to help people for no reason, no money, no nothing. So, you know, his validity means a lot. Well, he was involved in that show and he was along on the, on the ground boots on the ground crews that went out to places like Argentina um, Brazil and whatnot, and found remnants of Nazi communities um, thriving in places like Argentina. Not to mention, they found legitimate evidence um, from CIA documents and and testimonials that Hitler was around in the seventies uh, in in potentially in Argentina and. What, you know, how they, I mean, they even went over like his exit path, his exit strategy, which countries he went to and how they set him up. 
Um, so if it wasn't for Tim Kennedy being involved, and I only know him because I've watched him and other things, but his involvement makes me feel like it is it is real. Um, I once lived on Cocoa Beach between uh, the Kennedy Space Center and the Patrick Air Force Base. And during that time, I met a number of people who worked for NASA. Um, I got to, to uh, meet uh, an astronaut. His name is uh, Clark McClellan. He's taken a lot of abuse, or he took a lot of abuse because he's passed away about a year ago. Mm. Um, he took a lot of abuse because he blew the whistle on seeing um, a very tall ET in the open cargo bay of the shuttle while he was monitoring the, uh, the event and um, from mission control. And anyhow, I met him in person. I, I spent a couple hours uh, listening to his stories. Um, I believe he's telling the truth. And one of the things that ties back into what we're talking about is that he was friends with Werner von Braun. Mm. And um, when Werner von Braun would come from Texas to the facility at Kennedy, these two would um, arrange time to meet, usually out by the beach or around the pool uh, in lounge chairs, but anyhow, always away from other people. And uh, Werner von Braun told him that there was indeed a facility built for Hitler in Antarctica. Um, that did not come out during his lifetime. But um, just because of the sincerity with which I saw when I met with Clark McClellan, um, I, I'm tending to believe his story. Well, that and you have, you know, a pretty famous operation that took place of trying to go and find, in fact, numerous missions to go and try and find remnants of Nazi bases in Antarctica uh, yeah. and around the world. These were, you know, I mean, of course, they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. These were military tests. They weren't. Uh, but there's a lot of military personnel that say, no, these were uh, missions to make sure that there were no remnants of the Nazis um, in Antarctica, but, um, and there's a whole nother story about them coming across a UFO and being shot at and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of at least circumstantial evidence that points to a very real possibility that, as you said, the war ended, but perhaps it was negotiated. In some way or another, because I mean, we ended uh, up, Operation pa Paperclip, uh, yes. you know, was done strictly from for um, power political reasons, and they took these well-known Nazis who had these incredible abilities and brought them to this country. Well, having brought them here doesn't mean you change their mind. No, in fact, I would say that we adopted some of the tactics they they used in propaganda, population control experimentation, uh, not to mention the technological side of the rocket propulsion. And um, there, there was some, you know, of course you can get into the whole theory of the Glock and all that of the Nazis having a, having a UFO of their own. Um, and then also there was rumors that, that uh, Hitler had the capability to go to the moon in 1936 based on the rocket uh, technology from Werner von Braun and his, uh, his cohorts. Yep, you're right. Yeah, it's it's great. The possibilities, once again, and I, I think there's a lot more to it, but but it is amazing how just talking about underground military bases, you can still connect it to something like the Nazis. Um, and uh, that's been kind of a thing of mine is is showing that a lot of this stuff 
kind of started from that, our, our taking over that, the technology from the Nazis. Uh, a lot of things started from that. Absolutely. Yeah, very fascinating, fascinating. Well, I, and I, ironically, a lot of people who got very interested in investigating UFOs uh, when they were young happened to be in Washington, D.C. when this, um, was it 52 maybe? I can't remember the year right now. But there was a major flyover of UFOs. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that inspired these people to get very involved in investigating all this. Well, according to Von Braun, those were um, Nazi UFOs. Yeah. Well, and once again, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's a, you know, even the Foo Fighters, um, the idea of the, uh, you know, World War II pilots find is seeing, uh, some kind of energy craft flying near and around them, um, during that time. Uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise. I mean, they, the Nazis, just the planes they used during that time were far more advanced. So, right. yeah, but, uh, very interesting, very interesting stuff. It's amazing. The, 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 weave that these conversations take and how it, there is so much that is all connected. And I want to compliment you for your audience because you look like you sincerely tried to dig in and find the truth behind stories. And we need more people who do that. Thank you. Well, it's for people like you putting out work that, uh, that point people like me in the right direction, as opposed to, um, finding something like you had said earlier that kind of leads you down a dead end. And then you realize, of course, after months of digging, oh, this isn't real. Right. Which is so disheartening, you know, because then it, it really, it makes you it, rethink everything. It pisses you off, actually. It does, yes. It's very <laughs> frustrating. It's very frustrating. But that's kind of the whole point of this is I get to highlight the ridiculous and the confirmed you know, so I get to kind of look at both and I just really like to ask questions. And that's really what it is, is you just got to ask the questions and that will usually lead you down a path to more questions. <laughs> very Absolutely. few answers. Yeah. Very you'll few. never run out of questions. No, no. You'll get very few answers along the way. Very few answers. But, uh, I really appreciate your time, Mary. It has been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, uh, where can people, you know, you'd mentioned a website. You want to mention it one more time for my people. All right. It's skyshipsovercashers.com. Cashers is the confusing part of that. It's spelled just like a cashier at the grocery store. Okay. It's actually the name of a mountaintop town here where we began to see so many UFOs. So it's oh, skyshipsovercashers.com. Really? Oh, wow. And if you go to Editor's Corner, uh, there's a section there that explains a little bit about each of the books I've written, and they're all available uh, from Amazon. Go get those books. I know uh, <laughs> my uh, my favorite fan, uh, designer tinfoil hat wearing Aaron um, right away. As soon as I told her, I was uh, told her I was getting you on the show. She's like, I'm getting her book. <laughs> so well, tell, tell her. Thank you. I will. She's listening. I know she is. So anyways, but, uh, but yeah, thank you so much, Mary. Uh, is there any, so, would you rather people get a hold of you on the website? Is there any social media stuff you want to shout out? Well, there is a Facebook page. I have mixed feelings about Facebook, but it's the same title skyships over cashers.com. Only you enter it in on Facebook. Okay. Um, so, and if you want to reach me, uh, go to editor's corner on the front page of the website and it'll tell you how to get in touch. That's great. Well, again, okay. Mary, thank you so much. Go check out the books. Uh, one more time. It was 
Let's see. It was Bigfoot, Beyond the Footprints, Cherokee, Little People Were Real, and, of course, underground military bases hidden in North Carolina mountains. Go check those out. Again, Mary, I cannot thank you enough for your time. You have a good day. Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you. What a great conversation that was. So much fun. I hope you all enjoyed it. Mary, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show. Oh, it just, it meant so much. What a fascinating topic and what a great conversation. Uh, Now, for the rest of you, to give you my thanks, it is time for my favorite segment, and that is... Of course, shouted out multiple times, but I can't do it enough, is uh, my first donator, constant supporter, designer, tinfoil hat wearing Aaron. This one was for you, lady. Uh, Much love. Thank you very much. You reached out to me and said, have you ever thought about doing an episode on dumbs, deep underground military bases? And I said, you know, I have, but I don't know enough to feel confident to uh, to do an episode on it. And so I started doing some digging and I reached out to Mary and, and she was so gracious to come on the show. So anyways, that one's for you, Aaron. Once again, thank you so much. You too, also, anybody can donate at patreon.com. Any donation means the absolute world to me. Anything, $1, that's all it costs to buy my loyalty, but you can donate anything you want. Once again, everything is appreciated. Now, of course, for those of you that left reviews... Big thank you from me. Tegoshi. Fuck yeah. Thank you. Ridiculous Patronus. Thank you. Uh, Your scented memory. Thank you. Gigi Holland. Thank you. Thank you. Casey Leesky. Been on the show. Says you got to listen to us for sure. Um, Thank you again. Uh, If you've left a review, but I didn't give you a shout out, please reach out and tell me. I really want to know. I really want to see them. These, there's so many platforms. You can pretty much leave a review on any of them. Sometimes uh, on all the things that I look out, they don't always come through. So I want to make sure I try and double check, but make sure because I really want to see your big juicy reviews. Uh, Finally, of course, general shout outs to thanks for the moon cheese. My sister, Christy, thank you. Uh, the whole family, I really appreciate all the support. Anthony D. and Graham in Alaska, great guys. Love you guys. Thank you for always listening. Lenny F., always a great friend and a listener. Thanks, man. He's going fishing soon. So uh, everybody wish him luck. Keep your fingers crossed. Uh, stay safe. And then, of course, my friends Heather and Michael, they help take care of the landscaping over the CBD shop, which you can take a uh, look at all that. And then uh, Casey Armadilla. Good friend, bought some merch. Thank you, Michelle Davis. Thank you as well. Uh, And everyone who's bought merch, thank you. You can also tag UFO No Podcast with your sweet-ass gear to help us build a portfolio of fans. Um, It really, really, really does help. So, again, uh, if you want to get a shout-out, all you got to do is let me know you listen to the show or donate. It's very, very simple. But otherwise... That's it for this one, everybody. This dumb episode is Audi. Not really. It was fantastic. I just mean dumb as in deep underground military bases. Anyways, hope you all have a great one. We'll catch you next week. Uh, Don't forget, watch out for the government. They're shoisty bastards. 